In this episode, can you actually mine processes? And then imagine having a digital twin of your entire company and then getting leadership to buy in to change. Oil and gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guests, please, 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 you want to support this show and our eight other oil and gas podcasts, just leave a review. It helps your friends find the good ones because they see all those five stars. And you know what? If you want me to change something, go ahead and give me a one-star review and tell me what we need to change. I'll take it under consideration. And then big shout out to Tanix, the sponsor of this show. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are the guys you want to talk to. And I am very lucky today. I'm actually sitting here with Iman. How are you doing, Iman? Good, Mark. How are you? Still trying to figure out how to work in this lockdown world. Now, you're in Vancouver? Yes, Vancouver. Are things starting to get back to normal there yet or no? Yes. Businesses are opening up and we're able to get out to the public parks and all that good stuff. Yeah, I just want to go eat in a restaurant and I just want to <laughs> not cook my own food one time and go sit down at a restaurant. And so I'm in Houston, Texas, and we're starting to get there now. By next week, I should be able to go do that. So it's just kind of nice to see the lockdown starting to disappear. It will be interesting to see what happens with the whole COVID-19. There's so many different models. I've given up trying to predict what's going on. Even the data sets, I'm not even sure I always get accurate data sets. So I'm just going to wait and see and see what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Innovation, it's the time for it right now. It surely is. And actually, what a great segue into where we're going next. So you reached out to me. I paid attention to what y'all were doing. And you work for a company called what? Thinkly. Thinkly Enterprises, yes. And y'all are doing some really cool stuff that actually is very helpful to the oil and gas industry. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing. Awesome. I'm excited to share with you that we started this company two years ago. And I got together with my sister. She's also a management consultant. And I started my career 10 years ago in oil and gas. And we've seen a lot of, of course, like everybody else in the industry, we've seen a lot of technology implementations and we've been part of it. But it's about efficiency. It's about return on investment. It's about a adoption. And today we're talking about sustainability and transition as well. So there's a lot of challenges that are surrounding this industry. So we've established a partnership with Microsoft and we created this software solution that facilitates the creation of a virtual representation of an organization. So we're leveraging AI and machine learning to be able to create this virtual replica. And Gartner has actually launched an official definition for that, which is the digital twin of an organization. And what that means, it means that every asset that falls within the context of an organization, processes, technologies, architecture, infrastructure, customer interactions, business capabilities, strategies, roles, and responsibilities, all of this, including distribution channels, of course, can be connected and reported and visualized in dashboards and process mining. This helps the business leaders to assess the impact of change in a control environment without having to make the decision and see the impact on the ground. So you'll be able to test your decisions, how effective they are, and you don't need to replace the technologies that you have invested in already in, in your business. We just need to extract this data and put it onto the cloud for our infrastructure and 
uh, will be able to uh, deploy our process mining tool to put this data in context. And this includes the IoT data. Wow. So if I understand what you're saying, you have basically created a digital twin and everybody in this industry knows what digital twin is, but of the organization itself, not of a one single asset, which is what most people think of when they hear digital twin. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's different kinds of digital twin, and it's worth talking about here, is the discrete digital twin, which is the widely known in the industry right now. It's basically focused on atomic resources, such an individual asset or a product or a people or a single task to be able to automate that. But then you have another kind of a digital twin, which is the composite digital twin, which takes multiple discrete digital twins to be able to automate these replicas. But the digital twin of organization actually connects all these data sources where coming from the separate digital twins from products, assets and people and processes, including HR, finance and other business units in your organization. And all you see all of that in dashboards within Microsoft applications. So then I can model behaviors without actually pulling the trigger on a change in my organization and seeing if the employees like it or not? Correct. Wow. So in today's lockdown world, sub $40 crude, big decrease in demand or refined products, one of the things a lot of oil and gas companies are struggling with is what do they do with their people? Unfortunately, they're going to be layoffs. But where does it make financial sense? Do you lay off the people that have the most experience, which are probably making the most money, which affects your bottom line the most. But when things come back or you end up forced hiring people with no experience because you got rid of that. So you could actually help companies model what's the most effective strategy before they even think about creating policies and implementing it. Absolutely. So this is what makes this company different. And we kind of occupying a niche in the market where we say digital business consulting and implementation services. And what that means it draws variety of capabilities from management consulting industry and from digital agencies that focus on customer experience and design and from technology consulting companies like Amazon and Microsoft that sell you technology tools. So we're able to combine these three capabilities to deliver to the client a comprehensive solution that takes care of data, process, and people. So within this digital transformation that we want to take on with this tool, we're able to build, we start with a digital strategy, of course, because this is the most important part to align all your initiatives to. And this is where you're going to see the maximum return on investment when you align your initiatives according to your business outcomes. So we do that. We capture all of these KPIs within this tool and make sure that all your portfolio of initiatives within your digital transformation is actually captured in line with these KPIs. And then we're able to provide you with transparency, full transparency on the value chain from the strategy to execution. So included in that approach, when we say we're taking care of people, that means when we implement and automate, when we automate one process in your organization, we're taking care of the people who used to execute this process. So as we speak, we're implementing the technology. Our team is multidisciplinary team who's able to also train your employees to come up to speed. Yeah, I say this on the show all the time. This is incredible, but it really is. I mean, this way I can figure out from a strategy point of view what I should do and what I should not do before I waste time and resources actually implement it in real life. 
Let me ask you this. During this whole COVID-19, did y'all do any work around the virus itself and the pandemic? Yes, absolutely. We've, we've transformed a lot of, of course, all of our work has been done remotely. And we used to do a lot of training in person, but we changed that to do it behind the screen. And we're also supporting our clients with remote reporting. So we're lucky to be in technology, honestly, that we don't have disruption to our business and we're supporting our clients to resume their business as usual as well, focusing on safety right now, making sure that the employees are aware of all the policies and procedures before they go back to work. Yeah. And this also has to be a great way to test things like changes in policy and procedure, but also change in workflow. I mean, I don't know how many large oil and gas service companies I know where they have 30 or 40, you know, invoices coming in from the field literally every day, but it all goes to one person who has to sign them where that's the constraint. And if you would look at that workflow from beginning to end, that one person constraint is affecting something called day sales outstanding, which every comptroller and CFO in the world would like to decrease their day sales outstanding, but they don't even realize internally their own process where the constraints are. And with what you're doing, you could look at maybe even all or most of a large organization's business processes and see if there's places that are constrained and then fix it once again without actually doing it in real life. Absolutely. This is what the tool does. It's basically part of our team. We collect the data and you've talked about this multiple times, Mark, on your show in regards to collecting the data that comes out of the field. It's raw data that needs to be worked on to be able to feed it into a machine that makes sense of it. So we still have to do that. We still have to do data analytics to clean up the data and put it in the tool. But then from there, we have this process mining that's able to put the data in context and provide business process visualization. And then from there, as a business leader, you'll be able to optimize processes to reduce cost and identify where you need to put your priorities in terms of initiatives you need to start. So this is basically giving your decisions more confidence and more fact-based driven decisions. So that's the value. I love it. I don't know how many times, I mean, probably hundreds and hundreds of times I've watched oil and gas companies have a good idea and leadership tries to implement the idea and it always involves a technology tool, a solution, and it fails. And it fails because they didn't figure out if the frontline people wanted to fix the problem. They didn't figure out if the frontline people would adopt the new technology tool. They just thought it was a good idea. So this prevents you. And I mean, I've seen every large major and super major make this mistake multiple times. This prevents you from making those type of costly mistakes. Absolutely. It prevents you from making costly mistakes and it also reduces frustration from staff. So across projects from our experience, of course, you come across these highly skilled engineers that are wasting their time behind these CSV files (laughs) to clean it up. And this is a huge reason for frustration. And often when we approach people to talk about this, they are afraid of losing their job. What does that mean to me? Where does that put me? We're in our approach, and this is our the mission of our company, is to take care of the people that are in this automation process. So if you're an engineer and you're highly skilled, you don't have to waste your time behind the CSV file anymore. I'll take that away from you. Let the machine do it for you, and I will repurpose your skills to for another transformation initiatives that will help the industry in sustainability. So this is something that not a lot of people talk about and requires a connection with the big picture to make sure that we're aligned with the company objectives. And this is where the industry is focused, is on sustainability. 
Yeah, if the audience may not have ever thought about this, but in oil and gas, you'll be amazed at how many engineers spend most of their time cleaning up Excel spreadsheets so they could actually be an engineer. So what you're doing is allow them to be an engineer more and worry about cleaning up data less. Absolutely. Absolutely. And their skills is actually like the oil and gas companies are paying premium for these engineers and they expect productivity, a certain productivity. So instead of having this talent wasted behind something that a computer can do for you, we're not saying that we're going to put you out of job. We're saying we're going to help you do what you love to do, actually. Yeah, actually make you better at your job because you actually spend your time being an engineer and and not cleaning up data sets. Exactly. So this industry is really funny. Speaking of change, we don't like change. And, and there's a reason for it, right? Because of, of what the consequences can be if we make a wrong decision. But how do you manage the cultural change process? Because what you're doing is you're coming to a company that wants your help. You figure out if you can help them. But then the people are always the part that everybody struggles with. How do you change the culture of the company to adopt your tool or process? Great. Great question. Great question. So it's always the buy-in requires, and we talk about that all the time, and we actually incorporated it into our pre-sales cycle. So we don't take on any project without this very important piece, which is the buy-in, the leadership sponsor that needs to be on the table to take these initiatives, move these initiatives forward. So as part of our approach, we also follow design thinking and lean change management approaches to make sure that the ideation is present and the testing is present. We follow agile methodologies. We take all the feedback that we can from the industry so we can apply them and test them. And we provide feedback based on that. So leadership sponsor, we make sure that they are present even before we decide on implementing anything or taking on anything. So a cultural change is also important when we are implementing the tool because We follow the approach of education and time. It requires time. You often address that on your show as well, that there's no low-hanging fruits. So change requires time. And we're talking about people who are used to doing things based on experience. So being able to introduce a technology that would save time and money will require time to train people on and bring them up to speed. So we often ask for a leadership sponsors to approve our change initiatives and we keep at it from day one. So from day one, we are working on implementing change measures alongside implementing the technology. We don't do it afterwards. From my experience in the field or in my career in technology, change management kind of is an after fact where we we bring people outside of the organization to, to implement change measures. What we do is actually build change capabilities from within, empower people on the team to take on these initiatives so you're able to sustain this technology as we move out. Where We make sure that you have this change capability. We're not presenting ourselves as consultant telling you what to do and leaving. We want to make sure that you're able to sustain that moving forward. So empowering your employees to take on this leadership role. I love that approach. And you're right. I don't know how many consulting companies, big consulting companies at the very end of engagement, throw some change management at them and just walk away and it doesn't work. And that's typically the reason that the project fails is the people 
aren't bought into it. I like what you're doing. So you start from the literally the pre-sales beginning point and you're thinking about change management and the people. Then you make sure you have an executive sponsor because sometimes you need somebody to crack the whip, right? And that's the best way to do it. And then I like the fact that you take the company's own people and work with them and they're part of the change management process. It's not that you're telling them about change management. They're coming to you and say, this should be red or this should be green or exactly. we should do it this way or that way. So they have ownership of it. I love that. Absolutely. And we promote industry partnership. We're not saying that we know better how you do business. You actually know better how you run your business and how you do your business. We're here to make you better at it. So the technology is just a tool and it's important for you to sustain that tool as we move forward. And also the consulting, like you said earlier, is that the term has been associated with what we just talked about. So we want to change that. This is why we started this approach is that we want to change that. And we also want to give the client confidence in adopting this new technology. One of the biggest reasons clients are not embarking on these initiatives is because of change management. So before we actually go in and say, there's a technology for you, we say, are you ready for it? So Emma, let me ask you this. So, you know, every oil and gas company out there has a different architecture of a different back office environment. And even one company will pick Chevron. You know, Chevron is 21 different opcos or business units. Some of their business units are very mature from the use of technology and some of them are still doing stuff like in the eighties. So are you able to take your methodology and your tool and lay it over legacy you know, back office type of technology? Absolutely. That's what it's meant to do. The foundation of this work is starts, we start with a digital strategy. And like I explained earlier, it's part of our pre-sales process. And the reason it's there is to make sure that you have the executive sponsorship and you have the change management measures in place to make sure we, we are successful with you together. So this is number one. Number two, the other foundation is the enterprise architecture. There's no way we will be able to embark on this initiative holistic initiative without understanding what you have already in place. And we already, we talk a lot about technology return on investment. So there's no shortage of technology in the market. It's just the fact that you need to maximize your use of it. So if you are, you already have all these systems implemented and often, like you just described, they're in silos. We have to extract this data from these siloed systems, put it onto this data lake that we created on our cloud to be able to visualize your organization for you. So it is essential to understand where your legacy systems are sitting at and what's the purpose they are implemented and who are the stakeholders that are going to be affected by this change. So not necessarily all business units, but the data that's sitting in these siloed systems and legacy systems is crucial for what we're trying to do here. So enterprise architecture is the foundation for this work. Yeah, and that's actually a great answer because nobody's going to change their back office architecture architecture for an initiative. So you have to be able to work with whatever they have. Absolutely. Coming back to the return on investment, the reason we do that, the reason enterprise architecture is the foundation for this work is because we don't want to push onto you new technology that you don't need. So if you have, and if we're able to create that enterprise architecture and we saw that you have invested in amazing technology that can be purposed better for your organization, we will do that. We're not going to be pushing on a new investments because we are promoting ROI. So I'm guessing that y'all are sitting on Microsoft's Azure stuff? Correct. We have partnerships with IBM, 
AWS and Microsoft, and our team is able to open APIs on all three different infrastructures considering our client requirements. But our tool is now sitting in Azure. And so that's leading me to the next question, which is cybersecurity. So really, Microsoft itself is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for your cybersecurity, aren't they? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. And this is something also that we have to have kind of a backup for ourselves because our clients are very concerned about privacy and Microsoft has a huge reputation taking care of that. So we don't need to replicate the cycle. We make sure that the client have the credibility they need when it comes to security. Yeah, we use Microsoft for the exact same reason. I don't have to worry about patches and firmware updates and everything. It's just rock solid. And we've been attacked several times and Microsoft just takes care of it. It's you almost, you get an email. It's like, really? We were attacked? I didn't notice anything. You know, it's, they do a really good job of, of making sure everything is super secure. Absolutely. So I love what y'all are doing this. And it's almost like you've taken the consulting model, flipped it on its head. And instead of the consultants coming out and being the domain experts and being paid to tell the company what they need to do, you come in and say, look, we can fix a lot of the problems, but we're going to do it together. You're going to tell me where the problems, we're going to find it. And then we add a technology layer just as, as a way to make everything run smoothly smoothly. It's, you're not actually selling the technology, you're selling the process improvement part of it, really. That's correct, yes. And the way you're going to, we promote, and what I heard this term also earlier today in OPEX event, is that an automated center of excellence, which is basically you need a unified center that you're able to manage your business through. Considering the locations that you're managing and the different stakeholders that are involved and the dependency on the data from different business units, we're creating this center of excellence to make sure that you have visibility across different portals portfolios and for different reasons, depends on who's accessing it. So it's up to you if you want to create that center of excellence, but it's what we promote. I love the idea of an automated center of excellence where everything is in one place where whatever reports I need, I can get, which could be different than the reports that you need and everything's in one place. Now, here's a question just because I have a tech background myself. You know, the oil and gas industry is global. And so we have operations all around the world. And different countries have different rules around technology. So, for example, if you're in Germany and you have an email in Germany, the email server has to physically be in Germany. By building this automated center of excellence, if it's done well, stuff like that, the machine itself would know that, right? And so there's not a chance for a person to make a mistake and get in trouble because the virtualized email server is not in Germany. Like the center of excellence would know that's a requirement. Absolutely. We're able to hard code these requirements in the system. And it's all based on building this AI algorithms on this process mining tool to be able to filter this information according to the scenario that you just mentioned. And the whole operational excellence thing, I've always thought that that should be something that every company, I mean, even our company, we're small, but even our company, you know, we have an operational excellence program, basically always trying to continually improve. Look at what we're doing now. Is there something, the way we can make it more efficient? I love the fact that you're doing this on an enterprise scale. Yes, yes. And we also reduce, we share the risk with the client in a sense that we're saying, you don't have to spend a lot of money for this and you don't have to spend a lot of time for this. What we're saying is a proof of concept, three to 10 months 
worth of time and implementation, and you'll be able to see the value in one business area. And if you like it, if you like what you see, then we'll be able to scale that up to the rest of the organization. So with this approach, we're sharing the risk with the client and we're not asking for a bigger commitment than they actually can. And then you're singing music to my ears. I have been talking about this for 20, probably more than 20 years, where that proof of concept is the only right way to do business with the technology implementation or process implementation. Because basically, you do a very small proof of concept. So I go to Chevron, go Chevron, hey, I don't want to roll this out enterprise wide because I don't want it to fail. I know you don't want it to fail. So we'll take your one office in New Orleans, Louisiana, and we'll come in and we'll work with your people and we'll show you how we can improve efficiencies. And this way to Chevron, it's not a risk because you're only working with one office, right? But at the same time, if you can prove to them that it works, then they can choose to scale it up through the entire enterprise. And to your point, that's you're sharing the risk with the client and you're working with their people, almost like their people are part of your team. I love that approach. Absolutely. And this is where we also hire people on our team that are subject matter experts in the field. And we make sure that we understand the business from a business analysis is very critical. And the ideation and the solutioning is coming from the industry. And this is always worth making it clear. And now that I understand your process, you've created your own feedback loop, haven't you? So at the end of this process, you almost can start again and go back through and drive more efficiencies or have lessons learned for other business units in the large enterprise organization. Absolutely. And that encourages faster implementations. So the faster you do it, the more results you have, actually. This is a competitive differentiator. i tell you what, in this crazy crude price environment we are, if, if you're an oil and gas company, and you, you should at least reach out to the m and give her a call and talk through this. Because, I mean, this is fundamentally a different way to look at improving the the efficiencies, and also things like safety in your organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're not only talking about reducing cost and making sure that we are highly profitable as an organization, as a client, but we also talk to companies that are preparing to go into measure and acquisition. And we talk to companies who have performed M&A and they're dealing with the after the math. So it's different business situations that this solution is able to benefit. It's not only because the industry is suffering from, you know, No, I can see this helping a small operator pass up a much bigger operator, right? Because you can figure out which basins are your best fit for your experience, which tools you need, which subcontractors should you bring in, what service companies should you work with, what trucking companies. I mean, I could literally see this making a smaller operator more efficient than a bigger operator and allow them to grow because they use this to grow their business. Absolutely. You're able to see the value with the smaller ones for sure, real fast. And even you mentioned on your show as well, Mark, that service companies to oil and gas are in a critical stage right now. And they're probably looking at reducing asset investments. So being able to visualize where these assets are lying and where are the centers that are producing the most cost is possible in this tool. And you'll be able to make decisions accordingly. Yeah. So basically using artificial intelligence and data to make smarter, faster business decisions. Yes, that's correct. Love it. I could talk to you for the next hour, but unfortunately, our time's about shot. we got to start winding down the show. This is the part of the show where we do product reviews. If you have a tech product you want me to review, send it in. I'll always tell the truth. If it's great, I'll say it's great. If it's not so great, I'll say that as well. This is really cool. So Panasonic sent me a camera. It's a Luminix GH5 4K digital camera. It looks like a point and shoot, 
but we actually use it for live streaming. Incredible, incredible low light sensitivity. The autofocus on it is great. From a technology point of view, it's very easy to live stream from. It's not hard at all. You get clean HDMI out, which is real important if you're live streaming. So it's a little pricey. It's just about $1,300. The link's in the show notes if you want to pick one up on Amazon. But just honestly, best live stream camera we've ever used. Big shout out to Panasonic for sending that our way. Street Team, if you want to join our volunteer group, Street Team, just go to Facebook. Search for OGG and Street Team. We have some swag coming out. When times are normal, you get to join us if we're in your geographic area as part of our press team or at a conference or event. We ask you to help us a little bit with our social media, basically just liking and sharing stuff. We have some swag coming out, and I've been saying that for months, but literally the email is in my inbox for me to approve so we get these shirts made. So that, all that stuff's coming. I think there's a couple of questions you have to answer because we have to make sure that you're not a bot. So when you join, answer that one or two questions, and then you're in. And then back to Nutanix, you know, shout out to them, sponsor of this show. They enable IT teams to build and operate highly automated private hybrid clouds. Plus, they understand oil and gas, and they're doing something really good. So, Emin, if you want to, you can go register this since you don't work for us or you don't work for Nutanix, but they're giving away these really cool JBL Flip 4 Bluetooth speakers. The link's in the show notes. Register to win. We give away one a week. If you don't win, you can register every week. If you want to try to remember it, it's Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast, the link. And then while you're out there, go to oilgastechpodcast.com. Give us your email address. We promise not to spam you. And then join our LinkedIn group. And Iman, if people wanted to learn more about your company, where should they go? Our website is thinkly.com. Thinkly is misspelled T-H-Y-N-K-L-I. And of course, you can reach me on LinkedIn as well. It's the best way to reach me. Perfect. And we'll put links to both of those in the show notes so people either scroll left or up, depending if you're on Android or iOS, and you just go ahead and click on those links. Thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, this is a great conversation. And I really like the idea how your technology component is not the main part of your business. It's almost the people is the main part of the business. And I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about time, right? <laughs> yeah, it is about time. It really is. So thanks for coming on the show. You actually were on Industry Leader Show, weren't you? Yes, I was last week. Last week? Wow, two in the same week. Good for you. So let's make sure we stay in touch. I want to follow what y'all are doing and maybe get you back on one of our other shows in a couple months. But I think it's awesome what you're doing. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Folks, we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.